welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. But I want to I want to wrap this up this weekend by um by preaching on um about bringing down the giants in your life. And um there's, there's so many different obstacles that we face in life from time to time and there's so many roadblocks and there's so many circumstances and who knows, it's a, it's a journey of faith. It's, it's the fight of faith. It, it's that we're running uh, uh, the, the race of faith. And I want to talk to you tonight from David, where David, if you've got your bowls here, I'm, I'm going to race through it. We're short on time, but First Samuel 17, I'm sort of going to go between 1 and 30. And I want to set this scene up where David, obviously, he's just at this time, he's the little shepherd boy. He's the younger of the brothers. The the four of the brothers are on the battlefield. And we see here in the Valley of Elah, we see here that we've got the Philistines on one side and we've got the Israelites on the other on the other side. And we see that Goliath, every single morning, he's going out and he's parading himself. And he's, he's going out and he's intimidating and he's beginning to, he's fully getting clad up with all his armour and his sword and his shield and his massive big helmet. And he's going out there and he's parading himself and he begins to yell out at the Philistines and he begins at the Israelites and he says, Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me that I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And so often that we might not realise that there's these little giants, there's these Goliaths, there's these things in our lives that they just keep showing up in our lives. At different points where we're believing God for breakthrough, these giants begin to raise their ugly heads and begin to parade themselves and begin to scream and begin to intimidate. The whole objective of Goliath at this point was an absolute strategic manoeuvre to strike fear and intimidation so that the Israelites were gripped to the point that they they were inoculated to the point that they weren't even conceiving that they might be able to win this victory. They were struck with fear to the point that they were in retreat. They were talking amongst themselves and they were talking up how big the giant was and they were talking down how big their God was. And so often in our lives... We don't see the incredible breakthroughs that we believe that God has for us. We sing the songs and we worship and we we roll into church and we put our Sunday best on, but we're not sometimes fully outworking that full giant killing anointing that God has given us. And we see here that here's Goliath and he's screaming out. I want us to have a look tonight at some of the incredible things that David had at play that helped him bring down the giants. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Turn to the person behind you and say, you smell great. (laughs) Everyone on this side just lied and I'm going to have an older call where you can come down the front because some of those teenagers, woo! See, I want to pick it up in verse 16, 21. And then the Philistines drew near and presented himself for 40 days, morning and evening. And Jesse said to his son, David, now take for your brothers an epa of dried grain and these 10 loaves. 
and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp and as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle, the Israelites and the Philistines had drawn up their battle and battle array, army against army. See, this is the thing is we hear, we, we've all grown up, some of us who have grown up in church life, we've heard the, the, the story of David and Goliath and he reaches down into the little pond and he picks up the nice smooth rock and he gets ready for his slingshot. But I want us to have a look and go back to what set the scene up for him to actually bring down the giant. See, we see here that there's some principles that are, were at play. We see that David was being faithful in the mundane. David was being faithful in the small things. David was being responsible. David was being a good steward. David was doing the right thing. David was in submission to his father. He could have said, Nick off dad, I'll go and do what I wanna do. I wanna go and hang out with the sheep some more. I wanna go and play the harp a little bit more to the king. See, this is the thing, is that he was at work and he was busy doing the right thing at the right time and at the point where he was being faithful in these mundane things. So let's have a look at this. He was still tending to the sheep. At the same time, he was still tending to the sheep. We all know the story where the prophet came in and, and Jesse was there and Samuel had the, the horn and it was full of oil and he came and he said, I'm about to anoint the next king of Israel. And there we know with all the brothers were lined up and all the big warriors and all the big hairy ones and all the big muscly ones with biceps like Pastor Tony, they were all there. But then we see that, that Samuel says, no, there's got to be someone else here. And then we know that David, the man after God's own heart, was out there tending to the sheep. You know what I love? David, throughout all the years, he never lost a passion for his sheep. That's a thing to us. That's something that should ignite us, that we should never, ever lose our heart for God's people. David was a shepherd, that we need to have a heart for the house. We need to have a heart for the people. So much so that as he went out there and he was on the battlefield, and then, of course, he was playing the harp for Saul because Saul had a distressed spirit. And every time David played the harp and he sung his psalms and he sung some worship, we know that Saul's heart was soothed and the spirit was, was wound back and, and, and calmed down. See, this is the thing, is that here David is. He's being faithful with the sheep. He's being faithful with his responsibility in the palace. And then he's being faithful with the cheese. He's being faithful with the bread. He's being faithful when all his other big brothers, all the other big warriors, all the other big celebrities, all the other big profiled people that were out there, all the other big names, there David was behind the scenes just being faithful in the mundane. 
See, sometimes you think you're just going through life and you're doing your nine to five. Mothers, you're packing your kids' lunch boxes and you're just doing the mundane. People that you're just going through and you, you just, you're fueling up your car, you're paying your bills and you're being faithful in the mundane. Let me tell you, it's being faithful in the mundane that opened up the door for David to be in a position for breakthrough. This is the thing is that David was there. He was out there and he brought the report back to his father of how, the, how they were faring. But listen to this. When he was down there in the valley with his brothers at the point where there was about to be a fight that was breaking out, I want us to pick this up and have a look at this. And David left the supplies in verse 22 in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army and came and he greeted his brothers. Now I want us to have a look at this. Then he talked with them. And there was a champion in the Philistines of Gath. Goliath was his name. And coming up from the armies of the Philistines, he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dread, dreadfully afraid. Verse 25 says, So when the men of Israel, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will be enriched with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Uncircumcised uncircumcised Philistine that he should, I've got those tongue twisters going, that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. So here we have this man, David. He's being faithful in the small things. He's being faithful in the mundane. God's setting him up for an incredible destiny opportunity. He's setting up for bringing down a giant. He's setting him down for setting him up to do something significant. He's setting him up for God's power to move through his life. He's setting him and all of this being faithfulness is accumulating and building and it's getting to a point where the pressure in the Israelite army is getting so much. Saul the king is getting so desperate. I think he's getting desperate because you know what? He was the king that the people chose. He was the king that was a mighty soldier. He stood head and shoulders above the rest. I'm thinking right there that that king, he was feeling the pressure of what was going on because you know what? At any time, the mood of the people could swing against him and say, hey, Saul, you were once a great warrior. You're living up the high life. You're like Kevin 747. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. You're doing all this stuff and you know what? You were once a great warrior. Why don't you get off your behind and off the palace throne? And why don't you go down there and you take on the other giant because you were once great. Why don't you go on? So therefore, this is just Cameron's ben Cameron Bennett's synopsis. So therefore Saul, perceiving that the pressure might be about to come, he starts throwing out, you know what? Flip, we've got to do something here. We've got to throw someone up. This fear is gripping us. Something's going on. And then he throws out this incredible reward. I'll give you my daughter. I'll give you riches and I'll give you tax exemption. Some of us, 
we've been weighing up what it is to follow the full call of God upon our lives. What are the perks? What are the benefits? What are we going to get out of this? See, David was incredible. He was about to bring down the giants. He was about to bring down Goliath. But the incredible thing about David at this point is the money wasn't the motivator. The riches wasn't the motivator. The glory wasn't the motivator. The thing that drove him, listen to me, young people, the thing that should drive you should be a concern that God's name was being attacked, that God's glory was being attacked, that God's fame was being attacked. There was something that was burning on the inside. Remember back at the start, Goliath was getting up and said, Give me a man. Give me a man that will stand before me and fight me, for I defy the armies of the living God. Give me a man. If there's ever been a call to a generation, if there's ever been a call to a church, if there's ever been a call in this hour right now, the giants of this world, the intimidators of this world are saying right now, would a church give me a man that would rise up and show my love? Give me a church. Give me a man that will shine the goodness and the glory of God. Give me a man that would rise up. And I believe with all my heart that this is a church that's saying, you know what? I'm like David. We're going to stand in the gap. We're not going to be intimidated. Yes, we might be outnumbered by some of the things that are going out there. Yes, depression's on the rise. Yes, anxiety's up there. Yes, people are struggling in certain areas. But you know what? We're not going to step backwards from that. We're not going to walk away from that. We're just not going to have a nice little happy, clappy club. We're going to be on the front foot and we're going to face our giants. We're going to face our fears. We're not going to be struck with fear. This is good preaching tonight. We're not going to hang back, but we're going to get on the front foot. We're going to be faithful in doing the small things. We're going to be faithful in doing what's right. We're going to be faithful in being obedient what the Lord asks us to do. We're going to be faithful to do what our Father requests of us. And as we do this, we're building up a blessing. We're building up and accumulating and getting ourselves to a position where we're going to see giants fall. So we see that David... At that point, he's getting quite worked up about all this. He's starting to get a little bit steamed up. And he says here in verse 28, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. This is David's brother. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those sheep with in the wilderness? I know your pride. I know the insolence of your heart. For you have come down here just to gawk and just to stare and just to be a sticky beak to see the battle. Flip. He got shut down by his older brother. I love being an older brother. I used to shut my brother down. Bam, you take that. I was bigger, I was stronger, but I tell you what, he learned to get a quick tongue right back. So as quick as I was with my hands, he was as quick with his mouth and he would tear me to shreds. You know what? David, at that point, was being falsely accused. His intentions were being misrepresented. Eliab was obviously feeling the pressure because David's down there having a look going, why is everyone hanging back? Why isn't anyone manning up? You guys are trained warriors and you're being intimidated. What? This guy is intimidating us and he's bagging our God 
And you guys are all down here weighing up what your rewards are and how you're going to get your tax breaks and your fringe benefit tax car. Touchy subject. You're all weighing that up. What is wrong with you guys? Why aren't we manning up? Why aren't we taking this guy? Why aren't we shutting him up? Why aren't we ripping off his head and parading it down the streets? And Eliab's like, who are you? What's your deal? Why aren't you with the sheep? What are you doing down here with the bread and cheeses? Why don't you get out of here and get away? Because it's exacerbating the fact that he's being struck with fear and he should be going for it. And at that point, at that point, right there and then, and I've seen this happen so often and so much, sometimes in church life, in family, in community, right there and then, David could have thought, he could have picked up his ball, picked up his bat and said, you guys don't understand me. How dare you speak that hurtful thing against me? He could have picked it up and walked straight off the field like many Australian batsmen have this weekend. (laughs) And walked straight off, got his knickers in a knot. Let me say this. Don't let hurt hinder your destiny. Don't let hurt hinder your destiny. Don't let hurt hinder your destiny. Oh, the church, it hurt me. No, the church didn't hurt you. People hurt you. And you know what? Well, there's people on the planet. They're going to hurt you. So the thing is to overcome that hurt. I believe David right there. And then this is Gary Smalley's little book on family matters. If you get your hands on it, it's a great read. The simple thing that he talks about, number one in overcoming hurt is to understand your offender. And when you step back from the pride of your own hurt and you have a, and you stop thinking about how you were wrong, wronged and how you were spoken against and how dare they judge you and how dare that that happened and they, they shouldn't have said that and, they should, and, and you weigh it all up and you... you when you step back and go, you know what? Let's have a look at my, the, the other person's position. Let's have a look at where they're coming from. Why did they do that? Why did they respond like that? Why did they strike out and say those nasty words? What's going on in their world? To overcome hurt, sometimes you just need to understand your offender. Don't let hurt hinder your destiny. It breaks my heart seeing guys jumping off the bike and not being involved. And they were once flying in ministry and they were once flying and doing significant things for God. And something happened. And someone hurt them and someone said something or someone misrepresented them or they something happened along the way. David decided he was not going to let hurt hinder his destiny. He would have never bent down in that little stream and picked up the shiny rocks to bring down David. If I could get the musos to come, that'd be great. He would have never, ever been in a position if he thought, you know what? How dare you say that, brother? You are right. I'm going to just go off and I'm going to tend to the sheep. And every now and then when I feel like I'm going to strum out a nice little tune for the king. Don't let hurt hinder your destiny. See, the thing I love about David is I love that he was the guy that was the least likely to get a crack at the title. I love that David was the least of these. I love that David was out there doing the mundane thing. I love that he was out there with the sheep and he was just in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden, because he was out there being faithful in the mundane, God was setting some things up. 
See, some of us speak to the more mature ones here. I believe that as you look upon this young generation, we need you to believe in us. I'm putting myself in the us tonight. I'm still this side of 40, okay? We need you not to have Jesse eyes. Bring out all the big guns. Come, bring out all the brothers, all the strong, big ones. The ones that, of course, surely one of them is going to be the next king. Surely one of them is going to be great. We need you as some of the more mature folks, some of the more wise ones that have been around the block a little bit, not to have Jesse eyes, but to have Samuel eyes. Samuel saw in the supernatural. Samuel saw that there was something significant in David. Samuel saw that God was upon him. And some of you are going to be like Samuel and you're going to pour the oil out over these young people. You're going to say, I see you doing this in the future. You can do it. You are a champion. Some of you are going to begin to speak and you're going to affirm what's already going on in their heart. That's the kingdom of God at play. Some of you are going to say incredible things into these young people. They're going to feel like they can take on Goliath. They can bring down the enemies. They're going to win incredible battles. They're going to bring down armies. They're going to take ground for the kingdom of God because of the words that you are going to speak into their lives. We need to have Samuel eyes. I close with this one last thing. Is that the thing that has inspired me the most this weekend is your guys' tenacity to lock in and to find out what God has for you. And I felt this weekend as I prayed going into it that that was what I was going to keep hitting. I was going to keep going after that thing. I was going to keep chasing that thing. And you guys, to your absolute credit, responded. I love hearing some of these testimonies of them getting up and God did this and God said that. I got Facebook messages and text messages from other young people about, oh, you know what? I was, felt like I was being a little bit arrogant about what God put in my heart, that dream. But when you said that, Cam, I'm not thinking that anymore. I know that God's put that there and I'm going to chase that thing. See, yeah, let's, let's clap. I love here that David said, in response to his brother, when he's getting shut down, when he's being told to zip up and butt out of it all, he says, what have I done now? What, what have I done now? It wasn't like a flip, like a, like a carnal, what have I done now? It was like a, hey, hey, hang on a sec. That, something's not right here and I'm speaking up. Something's out of kilter here. We're God's people. He's won the victory. He can bring down that big fat loser. And, and we're over here and we're weighing up what we're going to get out of this. Give me a break. He says, what have I done now? And the next words rip through my core. They're the heartbeat of why I do what I do. And I believe it's the heartbeat of what this church is all about. 
He goes on to say, David, with all gusto, with all spiritual conviction, with righteous indignation, there's some big words there. But he says right there and then, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause that we should rise up? Is there not a cause that we should fight this battle? Is there not a cause that we don't need to worry about what we're going to get out of this, but we're going to worry about what we need to put into this thing? Is there not a cause? We're going to weigh it up. We're going to weigh up the cost. And you know what? When we weighed up the cost, we realised that the overwhelming analysis says there's a cause that God has anointed us for and we're going to pursue that thing with everything. I don't know if I'm explaining this well enough, but I just, I just feel last night I pulled the year sevens up and they were the first ones that I prayed for, these beautiful young little kids. I think um, Alan, Matt was there, wasn't he? Matt was born one day apart from my little Georgia and, um, and there they are, they're up here. And there was an incredible sense of God right there and I just felt there was this freshness not just because they're little year sevens and their little fresh-faced puppy eyes and they're so cute. So they're little babies still. They're there at youth camp rocking out with their vans on. It's like, whoa. I never had those sorts of shoes when I was that age. I had my KT26s on or my Dunlop volleys or my Adidas Campus. Or if you're a rocker, maybe you had the Romes. Anyway, so, <laughs> so we see, and as they come down the front, I really felt that God was raising up a new generation that is filled with the cause of Jesus Christ like never before. And they're going to pay the price. And they're going to pave the way. And they're going to pursue this thing. My heart's prayer to us as a church tonight is that, come on, let's be cause-driven. We're going to bring down the giants, not because we're weighing up the costs and we're seeing how, what, what, what we're going to benefit out of, but we're pursuing God and we're going after Him and we're going to fight the fight of faith. We're going to be like David. We're not going to let hurt hinder our destiny. We're going to be faithful in the mundane because we know that as we're out there serving the cheeses, serving the bread, tending to the sheep, doing all the mundane things, we can be expectant. We can have faithful hearts. We can be ready because at any time right there and then, there could be a God opportunity for a door to open for us to walk through and bring down a giant. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.